0: Welcome back to another crap episode of Rock and Roll History, the podcast where we stage dive headfirst into all the hits, missiles, and often overlooked songs and stories throughout the history of rock and roll. I'm your host, Jason Giambi. But well, who cares? Come on, everybody. Let's go rock and roll. A story today will highlight a song that is ingrained in the DNA of rock and roll. It may even fall into the often overlooked category because these days it seems people have forgotten about this song. Now that may seem strange to someone like me or you, but when you look around it's easy to see that this style has sadly fallen by the wayside. But I guess the times, they are a-changing. Anyway, this song played a massive role in shaping rock and roll as we know it today, and so it should be celebrated. This little ditty is known as Rock Island Line. So let's hop into our old-time machine, as we always do, and this time head straight to the month of October in the year 1934. The Great Depression was ongoing, and in this month, President Franklin D. Roosevelt initiated the second phase of the New Deal, aiming to provide relief for struggling farmers and families. The St. Louis Cardinals won the World Series in seven games against the Detroit Tigers. The famous FBI shootout known as the Kansas City Massacre took place, and the severe agricultural crisis known as the Dust Bowl affected the Great Plains region. The drought and dust storms caused widespread devastation, leading to mass migration and economic hardship for many. And our pal, Elvis Presley, wasn't around yet, so let's set the time circuits to on, punch in the date for October of 1934, and find out how rockin' this island line really is. to October of 1934, we find ourselves passing through Arkansas Cummings State Farm Prison. This is a momentous occasion as we witness pioneering musicologist and folklorist John Avery Lomax preparing to record a rendition of the American folk song called Rock Island Line, and it is about to be performed by the prison inmates. Joining Lomax is none other than the legendary blues singer known as Leadbelly. These two remarkable individuals have recognized the significance of this song and the need to document it. Its origins date back several years with a mysterious history that remains unknown. Rock Island Line is a medley of tunes that echo across the cotton fields of the deep south and resonate amongst the prison chain gangs under the scorching summer sun. It's as if this song has always existed in some form or another. The earliest known written documentation of this song dates back to 1929. It was penned by Clarence Wilson, a member of the Rock Island Colored Booster Quartet, a talented group comprised of employees from Chicago, Rock Island, and Pacific Railroad at the Bishop Biddle Shop Freight Yards in Little Rock, Arkansas. The song tells the tale of a clever train operator who cleverly transports pig iron through a toll gate, declaring only livestock on board. Twist in the storyline was a later addition not found in the traditional 1929 version. Over time, many artists have recorded their own interpretations, altering the verses and adjusting the lyrics. This constant shape-shifting and transformation are inherent to the nature of this song. Now, let's find a seat next to our friend Leadbelly and listen in as the prisoners of Arkansas coming State deliver an early rendition of Rock Island Line. Get ready to immerse yourself in this historic moment. Island line the Is mighty good roll the rock island line the Is road to ride the rock island line the Is mighty good road if you want to ride you got to ride it like you're fine buy your ticket at the station on the rock island line. Will Jesus died to see me and all of my sin? Oh, well, I like it. It kinda swings, and apparently Belly likes it too. So let's jolt ahead in time to June twenty second, nineteen thirty seven, in Washington D.C. as Leadbelly records his own rendition of the song. Now this rock out of the line, like, well, I walk on people blows the train whistle, we'll talk to the depot agent. Depot agent throw that switchboard over the line. I ain't never gonna talk time. I got goats. I got sheep. I got. Dreams, dreams, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkeys, rat- okay, okay. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Okay, here we go. I got hogs. I got horses. I got all livestock. I got all livestock. Now that old Rock on Island line is getting on down the road. For the rock-a-la-line, it's a mighty good road For the rock-a-la-line, it's a road to ride Oh the rock-a-la-line, it's a mighty good road If you want to ride, you got to ride it like you're fine To get your ticket at station on the rock a la Led Belly loved this song so much that he re-recorded it multiple times over the years All the way through to 1949 Led Belly's recording gained immense popularity Spreading throughout the United States And eventually crossing the pond reaching jolly old England this old rock island line found itself bouncing around the British Isles. In 1951, the George Melly trio recorded their own jazzy rendition of this now standard song. The recording featured the talented British jazz pianist Johnny Parker and Norman Dodsworth on drums, both of whom were members of the Mick Mulligan's Magnolia Jazz Band. Although I personally haven't heard of them, their name suggests that they must be fantastic. Here's a clip of them. The eventually made its way into the hands of a young lad named Anthony James Donegan, born in Glasgow, Scotland in 1931. This song had already been around for a few years before him, but Tony, as his parents called him, was born into a family where music was in his blood. His Irish mother and Scottish father, a professional violinist, nurtured his musical upbringing. When Tony was just two years old, his family moved to London, but the imminent threat of German blitz bombings led them to quickly evacuate to Cheshire. Growing up in the early 1940s, Tony developed a love for swing and jazz, which sparked his interest in the guitar. This newfound passion introduced him to country and western and blues, ultimately leading him to purchase his first guitar in 1945 at the age of 14. With determination and a keen ear, Tony taught himself popular songs like Frankie and Johnny, "Putting on the Style, and The House of the Rising Sun by avidly listening to BBC Radio broadcasts. By the end of the 1940s, he was already playing the guitar in London and exploring the vibrant jazz clubs during his free time. Playing in these clubs eventually led Tony to audition for a traditional jazz band. Despite being known as a talented banjo player, Tony had never played the instrument before. Nonetheless, he decided to give it a shot. Interestingly enough, the band leader was impressed by Tony's audition, seemingly swayed by by his personality than his actual skill. While Tony's time with the jazz band was short-lived as he was called up for national service in 1949, it opened doors for him. During his military service, he joined an army jazz band as a drummer and was stationed in Vienna. It was there that he encountered American troops and had his first exposure to American records, potentially including Lead Belly's Rock Island Line. The American Force Network radio station further broadened his musical horizons. All ready to assume your new duties? I solemnly swear that I will discharge my duties to the best of my ability. Upon completing his service, Tony returned home and formed his own band, the Tony Donegan Jazz Band, and they were talented enough to secure a gig opening for the influential jazz guitarist Lonnie Johnson. Tony was so inspired by Johnson's playing that he decided to adopt the nickname Lonnie as a tribute. Under his new name, Lonnie Donegan joined another group called Ken Coiler's Jazzmen, Here he sang and played guitar and banjo, contributing to the band's Dixieland jazz-style performances. During breaks between numbers, Lonnie and a few bandmates would jam out, reminiscent to the sounds produced by Dan Burley's Skiffle Group of the 1930s. With a washboard tea-chest bass and a cheap Spanish guitar, Lonnie and his friends would play folk and blues songs he learned during his time with the American troops. These impromptu skiffle breaks began to captivate audiences, almost stealing the show entirely. By 1954, the group started to speed up the songs by Woody Guthrie and, of course, Leadbelly, and they began to garner a following. This innovative style they had cooked up gained such popularity that Lonnie decided to record these songs, ultimately leading to his rendition of Rock Island Line. The recording swiftly climbed the English charts. Donegan had ingeniously fused American Southern blues with the simple acoustic instruments like acoustic guitar, wash tub bass, and washboard rhythm. This new style was coined skiffle and Lonnie Donegan was now on his way to becoming a household name. His talent even landed him television appearances. These were two special requests from the record company. And now I'd like to play the song which uh, brought me into this whole thing. Good or bad. She had a story about the Rock Island line. Rock Island Line a railroad line runs down into New Orleans. And just outside of New Orleans, there's a big toll gate. And all the trains that go through the toll gate, they... gotta pay the man some money. Unless, of course, they got certain things on board. And they're okay, they don't ever have to pay the man nothing. But right now, we see a train she's coming down the line. Oh, Going down the Rock Island Line. I fooled you, I fooled you. I got big iron, I got big iron, I got all big iron. He Tell you where I'm going, boy. Where are you going? Boy? going to tell I'm Going down the Rock Island line, the mighty Good Road, yes, indeed. Eh. Well, the Rock Island line is the mighty Good Road. Well, the Rock Island line is the road to ride, yeah? The Rock Island line is the mighty Good Road, and if you want to ride it, you gotta ride it. Like to finally get your ticket at the station on the Rock Island line. Lonnie Donegan's new music style rocking alongside the legendary Elvis Presley quickly spread amongst teenagers of England. While Elvis introduced those teenagers to rock and roll, it was Lonnie Donegan who inspired them to pick up simple, sometimes homemade instruments and form their own skiffle groups. Skiffle music was the garage rock, the punk rock of its time, a do-it-yourself work ethic, and a we-can-do-it-too attitude. Self-taught teenagers rocked out all over the country playing their own concerts, often in someone's backyard. Rock Island Line became a teenage anthem, and every aspiring skiffle musician knew how to play their own rendition of Lonnie Donegan's spinoff. Among those teenagers was a kid named John, who had just received a cheap Spanish acoustic guitar as a gift from his Aunt Mimi. Day and night, he strummed along to the Island Line, emulating Lonnie's sound. John played with such passion that his fingers would bleed. It was only natural for him to take the next step and form his own skiffle group, the Quarrymen consisting of his friends Pete, Nigel, and Ivan. This core group provided a foundation, although skiffle groups often had a rotating cast of musicians. Together, these young musicians rock and rolled all night and skiffled our hearts out every day. They would seize any opportunity to play, and on July 6, 1957, they managed to set up a show behind St. Peter's Parish Church. It was a pivotal moment known as The Day That Changed Music. Ivan, a member of the Quarrymen, convinced his 14-year-old neighborhood buddy to join him along to the show. Although hesitant at first, the young musician's interest was piqued when Ivan promised him the chance to meet girls. With that incentive, he eagerly tagged along. As the Quarrymen performed their set, the 14-year-old watched on with keen eyes and ears. He couldn't help but approach John, the band's natural leader and guitarist, to offer some critique. Though he liked the group, he pointed out John's guitar-playing mistakes and exposed his fake lyrics during his cover of Come and Go With Me. Seizing the moment, the 14-year-old picked up a guitar and launched into a speedy, Lonnie Donegan-inspired rendition of Eddie Cochran's Twenty Flight Rock. He also flawlessly performed Beep Alua by Gene Vincent, while John's previous attempt seemed sloppy and intoxicated. The young musician even unleashed piercing shrieks reminiscent of Little Richard. Despite the 14-year-old's twittish behavior, John recognized his talent and equal skill. Until then, John had been the unrivaled kingpin, but now he found a worthy collaborator. Curious, John asked for the young man's name, and he introduced himself as Paul. Paul McCartney. This was the fateful moment when John Lennon met Paul McCartney, ultimately leading to the formation of the Beatles. It became the day that changed music. The Beatles' influence on rock and roll is widely recognized, however, even before their groundbreaking appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show, Lonnie Donegan and his rendition of Rock Island Line also had a similar, transformative effect on England's youth. Donegan infused the traditional folk sounds with vibrant and infectious energy, injecting new life into the song. His fast-paced guitar strumming and lively vocals brought a fresh perspective. Unexpectedly, Donegan's recording became a UK hit, inspiring an entire generation of inspiring musicians, including John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Roger Daltrey, and Pete Townsend, just to name a few. Lonnie Donegan's rendition of Rock Island Line left an indelible mark on rock and roll, catalyzing the skiffle craze in Britain and reshaping the genre. Initially, American folk song Rock Island Line gained a new vitality through Donegan's electrifying interpretation. His skiffle-style arrangement, characterized by raw energy and a do-it-yourself ethos, struck a chord with the British audiences. This song's popularity spread rapidly, giving rise to numerous skiffle bands across the country. This skiffle movement played a crucial role in shaping the future of rock and roll. It provided a platform for aspiring musicians like Lennon and McCartney to hone in on their skills and explore new musical directions. Skiffle bands eventually evolved into rock bands, setting the stage for the British invasion that would captivate the world. Rock Island Line not only influenced musicians, but also transcended cultural boundaries. Its catchy melody and relatable themes of travel and longing resonated with audiences of all ages and backgrounds. The enduring appeal of the song exemplifies the unifying power of music, bringing people together and capturing the essence of the human experience. In essence, Rock Island Line served as a pivotal bridge between traditional folk and the birth of rock and roll. Its impact on British skiffle and the subsequent influence on rock icons cannot be overstated. The song's lasting legacy reaffirms its status as a cultural and musical milestone forever etched in the annals of rock and roll history. so that concludes another episode of rock and roll history so yeah slightly different format slightly shorter which means maybe i if i stick to this i can get more out let me know how you like the show send me an email at rnrhistorypod at gmail.com or let me know if you hate the show and in the meantime remember to rock and roll